So hello there, I'm so glad you joined me today. This is Vision Eternity Ministries and my name is Lee Klein. We are talking about getting ready for Jesus. Jesus is beckoning us. He, he's telling us that we're not ready and that is why he's not here yet. So let's acknowledge him, Jesus. We thank you that you're telling us things to come, that it's not your will that one should perish and so you haven't come yet because it is not your will that one should perish, because you don't want one single person to miss you. We thank you, Lord, that in this time that you are using all your energy to make sure that we all know that we have a choice to make. We love you and praise you and give you all the glory. We do have a choice. We have a choice to make, and we really don't, many don't realize that we are in a time of testing. I want to share with you what Jesus said to me a while back. And I, I wrote it down because it was just, it was just, um, it was so much to take in. His voice was strong and stern. And it was as his, her, his words like pulled me out of bed at attention. And um, I felt actually like a soldier before King Jesus. And as he stood there by the door, it was in my bedroom, and as he stood there by the door, I didn't see him with my physical eyes, but I knew he was standing there. And um, I heard him say, the hour of Jesus has come, and it was stern. It was stern. When you grow up in the Lord, you, you just start to know a, another side of him, like a side where he corrects you and he disciplines you. He gets stern with you. And that's what it was like. And I was at attention. And then I heard it come up on the inside of me. What does that mean, Lord? And then I heard him say, the hour of Jesus has come. And what does that mean, Lord? And he said, it is a time of testing. And um, I had, the first thing that came to my mind is I hadn't been doing what he said to do. There was a while before that he told me that I was like one of the five foolish virgins. And I was on the other side of that door. And I was saying, Lord, let me in. And he said, I wasn't acquainted with you. And so I was, I was afraid. But as time went by, then I, I started slacking again in what he was calling me to do. I had all kinds of excuses. This time was like that, only it was scarier scarier than the last time because his presence was so strong. It was audible. I heard him speaking to me audible, audibly. Actually, last time was audibly too, and that was scary too. But um, I just thought I missed it this time, that I wasn't going to make it. And so then I, I just, actually that very day I went to the store and it had, it seemed like it had started, like he was coming because People were taking things off the shelf. I mean, the shelves were in the store were empty. And so I was feeling even worse yet. And I started to get depressed and, and just thinking, I missed it. Jesus was coming and I missed it. And then two days later, um, it was in the morning and his voice was this time above my head. And he said, it's a great hour of testing. I'm frustrated obey me. And it was stern and it was strong. 
And a, a little while went on and I was feeling really worse than two days ago. And he said, it's not a time to get depressed, but it's a time to get going. I'm coming and you don't have much time. And one of the things I quit doing is these videos. I got frustrated and things just didn't um, seem like they were the way I thought they should be. And I had all kinds of excuses as we do. And so he really had my attention this time. And I didn't know if he was coming next week or when he was coming. And so I really started really getting serious again. And ever since, I have not gotten back off of my horse. Not that I haven't felt like it. Not that I haven't been discouraged. Not that um, I didn't want to give up because so often people are just not listening. I have this word. I have this message. And people don't want to hear it. And, you know, Jesus shares his, his thoughts with me. And the Bible tells us he will, that we have the mind of Christ. And so it's no surprise to know that he is going to share his feelings and thoughts with us if we're listening. And so what I'm saying isn't crazy. It's really biblical. If you look in the word of God, he wants to tell you what he's thinking. He does tell you what he's thinking. And he started bringing um, 2 Peter up to me a lot. And I want to read it to you. Um, starting in, in verse, well, I'm going to start in verse um, 8. Um, 2 Peter 3, 8. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape you. Beloved, that with one, that with the, the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not does not delay, and he's not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness, but he is long-suffering. Suffering. He's extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will vanish, and the thunderous crash and the material elements of the universe will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. Since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved, what kind of person ought each of you be in the meanwhile in consecrated and holy behavior and devote in godly qualities? While you wait and earnestly long for and expect, the coming of the day of the Lord by reason, which is a flaming heavens will be dissolved and the material elements of the universe will, will melt with fire. But we look for a new heaven and a new earth and to his promise in which the righteousness, uprightness, freedom from sin and right standing with God to abide. So beloved, since you are expecting these things, be eager to be found by him at his coming without spot or blemish and at peace and serene confidence, fear, free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. And I wanted to um, cover this a little more than I usually do. And so he, you know, a lot of people put off even thinking about Jesus coming because it's been said, oh, he's coming and he hasn't come yet. 
And so we, we tend to things, you know, like what has your attention? Whatever is the most important thing kind of next on your list. Like if you have a project to do that, that's where your attention is. And we do, we're so busy. We have so many things going on that our attention isn't on Jesus. We're not thinking his return. We're not thinking it's a priority. We're thinking we have lots of time. And as a man thinks, so is he. So as you're thinking that, the word says, as a man thinks, so is he. So while you're thinking these things that you have time and you get involved and distracted in other things, he's planning to come. He's long-suffering. And I want to read to you um, in the interlinear Bible the definition of long-suffering. Because the reason I want to point this out to you is because I've heard people just read over it, and maybe I've done the same thing, as if, okay, he's patient, and he is patient. But I have his feelings of anxiety, frustration, as he said, anger, and sadness. And sadness, that one really gets to me. I was in heaven and I saw the sadness in his eyes. And it's because we're oblivious to the fact that he's preparing to come and we're not getting ready. And if we're not ready, we can't go. If we're not ready, we can't go. As in the day of Noah, they weren't getting ready. They weren't intending to get on the ark. They didn't believe Noah. And they perished. Hosea says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And the thing is, we're so busy, like even in church, we're so busy. We got this agenda. You know, we want to do this. We want to do that. And we're not telling the people that Jesus is coming and to get ready. We have all these other ideas that maybe we think are from the Lord, but are they? Can he interrupt your plan? Can he interrupt what you think is right? Look how the Pharisees freaked out when he came. Healing on the Sabbath? Eating grain on Sunday? They were constantly picking on him and his disciples because they didn't do things the way they did, the way they thought church should be conducted. So long-suffering, to be of a long spirit, not to lose heart, to preserve patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles, to be patient in bearing the offenses and the injuries of others. Think about what this is saying. Think with me what Jesus must be feeling, the offenses and the injuries of others, to be mild and slow in avenging, to be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to punish, to be patient, have patience, have long patience, bear long, suffer long, be long-suffering. So it's a little bit more than him being patient. He's suffering. 
while he's waiting. He's frustrated because we're not getting ready. You know, if he told you to write a book, it's really important to him that you write that book. What he's telling us to do, what he's telling me to do, what he's telling me to say when I do videos is important to him. It's his heart. It's his plan. It's what he wants to happen. And when he showed me that, then I was more passionate about doing it for him because he's sad. He needs someone to go for him. Of course, he doesn't need us for anything, but he chooses to use us. And he's asking you to be that vessel for him, to put off the things of the world that are consuming your time. There's a time set by the Father that Jesus will open that door, as stated in Matthew 24. He's going to open the door, and that's going to be it, and it's going to be too late to get ready. That's what he said to me the first time. He said, you can't write a book in a day, in a week. You can't be ready at the last minute when the trumpet blows. They went to, they went to get more oil, and it was too late. They couldn't be ready in time. And neither can you. He's giving, us, he, he, he's giving us extra time. It's not that he's late. It's that he's waiting. The father is waiting for his children to get on the ark, to get ready, to do that thing he called them to do. But instead, everybody's fighting over, you know, who gets to do this, who gets to do that. Um, just like the Pharisees, they were being ridiculous. Jesus was there right in their midst, and they mocked him. They picked on him. They killed him. They crucified him. And of course, Jesus knew the plan. He knew that that was going to happen. And of course, when you say you're going to go for him, he knows the enemy is going to come against you. That's the plan. And we got to grow up in that persecution and stop quitting. Stop giving up and just take it because it's vital to Jesus. It's vital to the Father that all hear the truth. But the enemy has us distracted, running around, trying to figure out what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. You know, we're planning things out, you know, months in advance. And Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow today. Don't worry about tomorrow today. So Jesus said, it's a great time of testing. It's a great time of testing. And you know what he said to me? Most people don't even know they're in the test. They don't know they're being tested because they're so drawn in by the enemy, worrying about fleshly things, catering to the flesh, blocks the spirit. 
Either you're going to be led by the Spirit or you're going to cater to your flesh. That's the enemy's plan. He comes dressed as an angel of light. And his famous words are, oh, it's okay. God understands. Didn't you say that to Eve? It's okay. Did he really say that he didn't want you to know the difference between good and evil? Did he really say not to eat the apple? And then she convinced Adam to eat the apple. And then he blamed it on her. And that's what happens even in the church. We're convinced of the way God will do things and and won't do things. The Pharisees were convinced that God wouldn't heal on the Sabbath, and that's ridiculous. And it's because they weren't listening. And the church has ridiculous rules. They're not listening. They're not living by the thoughts and the feelings of the Messiah. They're not teaching people that Jesus is coming and you have to quick decide. Do you love him or don't you? To get serious about how you're living. Because if you're living in sin, then you're obviously thinking sin is okay. And if you're thinking sin is okay, then when you stand before Jesus, he's going to say, I didn't know you, you who practice lawlessness. It's a time to repent. We just read that in Peter. Repent. What should you do while you're waiting? Actually, I want to read this um, whole thing in, um, I believe this is the King James. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. And that says so many things. That says so many things, but one thing I want to point out is we're thinking, you know, he's not coming because he didn't come when we thought he was going to come. But his time frame isn't as ours, thank God. Because if he were to come tomorrow in our in our days, most of us would perish. And that's what he's grieving about. That's what he's sad about that we have this limited time and we're nowhere near even thinking that we need to get ready. We even think sin is okay. I wrote a book and most people I talk to haven't, did you read it? What did you think? They haven't gotten through past the first chapter because they said they didn't believe they had to do anything. And the first chapter God was showing me that I had to do something, that I had to get in the right line. There's the sheep and the goats. Whatever you do for the least of me, you've done, least of men, you've done for me. And so you got to do something. You got to do for the least of men. And that was in the first chapter. And it's so convicting that people don't want to hear it. So, that's, that's the time thing. The Lord is in slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But he's long-suffering to us, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting because he's in love with us, and he knows you don't know. He knows it's not being taught. And so he's calling anybody that'll go for him to teach that truth. Anybody. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away. He's telling us things to come. And with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein will be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons are ye be in the holy conversation and godliness, in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting un unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens will be on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Where there, wherefore, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of peace, of him in peace, with spot and blameless. I was in an environment yesterday, and um, Jesus was telling me how he felt about the way things were being done. And I heard him say, they don't want to be caught doing that when I come. It won't be good. Remember what the Pharisees were doing? They just finished crucifying Jesus. They went back to their temple the way they thought things should be. And their jealousy and their rage and their anger of Jesus. And then God showed up. And the truth was made known. They couldn't deny it. The earth shook, their temple split in two. When Jesus comes and things start on fire and you're still here, it's going to be a horrible, horrible day. And that's why he's telling us now ahead of time. I'm so glad he corrected me and helped me. And then later he took me to heaven and showed me my chair at the banquet table. But I have to keep doing what he said to do and not faint. And not give up. And you know what? I can't even do that without sitting at his feet every day. Because the pressure from the enemy is so strong to try to get me to quit and give up. And I want to say, if the enemy isn't putting pressure on you, then think about it. Are you actually a threat to him? Or are you on his side? If you're not, if you don't have pressure... I mean, it's a daily pressure that the enemy tries to put on you to quit and give up. And if you're not under that pressure, if every day is not a struggle, then maybe you're not a threat to him. 
And maybe it's not every day. I, you, you don't know when he's going to come, but when he comes, he is trying his hardest to get you to quit. Because he knows that God's going to do a great thing through his people. He knows if you are concerned with what God is concerned with. If you love the Lord, your God, all, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, you're going to care about what he cares about. And you're going to be doing his work. And you're going to be doing that greater thing that he promised you're going to be doing. And so when he comes, and you haven't taken him seriously, it's going to be an awful day for you. If you thought you didn't have to do anything and you could just keep living in your sin, yeah, Jesus took your sin. He bore your sin, your sickness, your disease, and your sorrow. And so now you have his power living on the inside of you to resist sin. But if you think it's okay, you know, that's the other thing. Um, those who are leaders in the church, if they're the blind leading the blind, that's a really dangerous situation to be in. It's really scary. If you're not teaching people that Jesus is coming and they need to repent of their sin, but instead you're saying it's okay, God understands. You don't have to be without sin. Oh, people just want to hear that. They just they don't want that conviction. Jesus said, I love you. That's why I'm correcting you. I'm correcting you so you can live with me forever. And if you won't take that correction, yeah, your flesh is going to feel better temporarily. But when you stand before Jesus that day, as to the Pharisees, you're going to be so afraid. You're, you're going to regret. It's going to be like he came as a thief in the night. You're going to hate it. He wants you to know ahead of time. Have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Don't even depend upon your pastor at the church. Don't depend on the Bible study teacher. Jesus gave his life so he can live on the inside of you and teach you the truth. And so many people are depend upon, dependent upon another man. When you have the Holy Spirit, when you ask him to come live on the inside of you, he's going to be your counselor, your comforter. He's going to tell you things to come. He's going to remind you of what Jesus said. He's going to give you the strength to do what Jesus said. He's going to help you to recognize a lie when you hear one. The agenda of the church. You know, the Pharisees were teaching what to do, but they didn't do it. There's ministers of the gospel that stand in church and, and say all these beautiful, wonderful things. They know what to say, but behind the scenes, they're not doing it. They're not doing it. Maybe to some, but maybe not to the insignificant, those they have no regard for. You know, that detests the Lord. He showed me that. That detests him when we treat one better than another. He loves us all. 
you know, there's this big thing going around a while back. All lives matter. They really don't. Not to, not to all people. They really don't. It's about the person and how they want to look. And so much of the time on Facebook or at the pulpit, you know, this big facade is put on. But what is actually really happening in that person's life when they don't think you're looking? Where's the integrity? God said you will know them by their fruit. And so you need to have eyes to see, ears to hear. Let Jesus show you the truth. He's looking for someone to be a part of his kingdom, a part of his life, and do what needs to be done before he returns because it it grieves him. He's long-suffering. It's not his will that one should perish. He sees the evil going on in the world, and he's suffering. When we hurt, he hurts. You know, those who call themselves Christians, we have a bigger responsibility than those that don't know him, but we don't even know that. When you don't live connected to him, we don't, when you don't know what he's thinking, how sad he is, today he's sad. He showed me a sadness again today. He's revealing to me what makes him sad, what makes him suffer. And when we're not on the same page with him, when we're wrapped up in the world and the, th- the way they're doing things, we're not going to know what he's thinking. It takes time. It takes your attention. You know, if you're running around, everybody's running back and forth, you know, in your home, you got some kids and they're running in and out, and your husband's doing this and you're doing that. If you aren't all on the same page, you're not going to know what the other one's thinking. And then all of a sudden, you got an issue and you didn't know why because you weren't paying attention. 